Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and your host of the show. And today, uh, I'm super excited for the guest I have here today. Actually happens to be one of our largest customers at Sisu, Doug Geek with 8Z. Welcome to the show, Doug. What's going on, Brian? Happy to be here. What's up, real estate world? <laughs> hey, I just uh, just want to give people a little bit of your background. So you're out of Colorado. I actually want to hear more about AZ today because I think it's kind of a unique to what's, what's out there in the industry. So I'd like to talk about that. But I'd also like to talk a little bit more about you and your career. So if I go to your LinkedIn page, you know, I'm seeing... 8Z, 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 you, you've like come up the ranks since 2008. You've been in the business, you've been at 8Z, but you know, you've grown from, from just starting in the business there. And I don't know how big 8Z was at the time to now you are the VP of production for 8Z and uh, on pace to do some, some fabulous numbers this year. So, so anyway, why don't you give us a little more background on that, Doug? Yeah. Um, well, go take a little trip down memory lane here, Brian. So I, I was I was not even remotely interested or, or thinking about a career in real estate when um, I kind of fell into it. Uh, I was finishing up school here in CU uh, in Boulder and um, kind of got headhunted. I was I was managing ice cream shops and I got headhunted by uh, the CEO and founder Lane Horning. He started this, uh, it was a referral business. So we were under the Remax Alliance brokerage and he started a website called uh, cohomefinder.com. And it was before the portals and it was uh, it was a, the most highly trafficked real estate website in Colorado for a number of years until the portal showed up. And, um, and I got lucky. I fell into it as a what we call the client care coordinator, um, which is more popular in the industry called the ISA at the time. So started fresh in 2008, not knowing anything about real estate and, and starting to generate appointments for agents. And, and we had a really good run there. And um, in 2009, I'm um, going into 2010, Lane decided he wanted to start his own brokerage, which it's an interesting time to start a brokerage in real estate <laughs> um, right at the great recession. But we did it anyway. We learned how to be lean and, and how to cut our teeth in a, in a tougher market. And, and it worked out. And that was you know, about 30 agents and, and a lot of those. So it was a referral team at the Remax Alliance. The co-home finder team was, was a referral team. And I'd say the majority of them came with us when we started 8Z. And yeah, I just kind of worked my way up from manager of that client care team to just biting off a little bit more of the business um, each and every year. And finally really getting to the point now where running operations for, for 8Z and, you know, as vice president of production, um, that's my main focus with, you know, with a production really mindset, um, no matter what I'm tweaking with the system or what I'm bringing in, what we're getting out of, what, what we're doing with the system. And, you know, from that 30 agents, we're now at, uh, we're an independent um, and I still think we're small, but some people would argue differently. We're at, we're at about 165 and we did about 1.4 billion in volume last year, um, 27 and change 2,700 and change transactions. And 
you know, knock on wood, we're looking to to blow by that this year too. Probably end up about 1.75 billion and um, and 3,000 transactions. So it's been a long, interesting run. It, it's hard to believe that it's been 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Congratulations, by the way. That's uh, just some huge numbers. Thank you. So I wanted to find out a little bit more about like 8Z is its own independent brokerage. But you guys, from what I can tell, you run your business more like a team. Like as far as, you know, people in the real estate industry understand brokerages, you know, you hang your license, you get paid by your brokerage, but you go to a team and now they're providing leads, they're managing you, they're training you, they're doing all this other stuff, they're managing all your transaction coordination, all that kind of stuff. So maybe you can tell us, how do you guys do that at AZ? That's exactly, I mean, you couldn't have said it, I couldn't have said it better, Brian, is we do run it as a really big team. I think um, a really popular model in our in our industry right now is these super high performing you know, 20, 30 agent teams that have all these specialists to, from transaction coordinators to listing coordinators to you name it. I, I've, uh, the names keep growing. There's more and more each time I check in, but that's exactly how we modeled it. You know, we got a, a, a culture of high, high performance and high accountability and um, it doesn't do us any good. You know, our, our payment structure is aligned to where if an agent comes in and isn't selling uh, real estate at 8 we're not making money. We're actually losing quite a bit of money because of all the systems and tools and training that we provide. So it's important for us that, of course, our current agents become more efficient and sell more real estate, but also that our anybody we bring on actually does sell real estate. So it doesn't do us any good to, to have it be like the Wild West and, and just hang your license here. We, you know, we don't charge desk fees. We don't have any monthly fees of any sort, their splits, their split. And if we're in complete alignment, if they're not making money, we're not making money. So it's really important that we have all those things in place that help them be successful systems and people both. Right. And, and you got to do it at scale. I'd say, you know, there's not much different that we do than those teams. You know, you see all these super teams and they're amazing. Right. And they average 60, 70, transactions per agent. We'd love to get there. We're, we're at about 26. We'd, we'd love to be, our, our BHAG is to be at 30 um, transactions per license um, by the end of 2022. But it's all about, you got to have a system that's real and that scales and you got to be accountable to that system. And that's what we believe at 8Z. Yeah. So your, your BHAG, uh, your big, hairy, audacious goals. So I just wanted to point that out for those who haven't read that book. <laughs> But so you want to get to 30 and I've got to tell you 26 for a team or a brokerage, 26 transactions per agent is awesome. So we're uh, happy. We're, I mean, that's why it's big and hairy, right? It's, it's going to take a lot of work. And of course you're going to have people doing 50 and 60 and, and people doing 20 and 15 and on the up and coming, but if we can average 30, we're happy. I think we talked about this last time we chatted, but we, we drink a lot of Jim Collins Kool-Aid around here. So <laughs> yeah. if you haven't read Built to Last and Good to Great, uh, get those on your list. They're great yeah, books. Those are two great books. So you started out as, you called it client care, but that's the same as ISA in real estate or SDR in software, sales development rep. So basically somebody on the phone setting appointments. How many ISAs do you have in your business today? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, the ISA team when I started was at six and I'm currently at three. I think there's a few reasons for that. I think we got a lot more efficient and, you know, the internet side of things is really just, it's responsible for 15 to 20% of our transactions in a given month. So it's definitely not all our eggs in one basket. It's, it's a piece of the puzzle. I think it really helps 
agents build a nice database, but it's pretty maddening that we talk about, you know, five or 6% conversion rates and get excited about them. I mean, that's, that's a failing business and by any other, other stretch of the imagination, but um, if you can add it to a piece and you know, your, your agents, you can get them one, two, three deals a month from those internet lead gen sources, boy, the referral networks that happen after that. And if you have a sphere system to really help um, agents develop a database, um, some pretty magical things happen downstream with that 5% success rate. And, you know, in regards to how we were able to scale without really growing the ISA team, I think a lot of your resources these days are starting to handle that middle of the funnel. Like internet lead resources are starting to really realize that that's a critical piece and you can't really have productive agents and, you know, it's a high burnout. I'm not saying they can't be productive, but when you're in it, that, that piece just falls off because you get a sphere of influence. You have all these other things going on and it's not fun. It's the hardest part of the job of trying to prospect internet leads all day. So I think, I think agents really outgrow it. And we just decided from jump that that's, that's how we were going to do it. We, we didn't want high burnout. That's why we have, we really don't have a retention problem at this point. I, I think that's a big part of it because we take care of that dirty work for them. Um, yeah. And in a lot of other aspects in the ISAs, that's just one piece of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you guys have gone from six ISAs and how many agents did you have back then when you only 30, 30 agents, so yeah, six 30, ISAs, 30, 35, 30 somewhere in there to now three ISAs with 160 agents. Uh, and how many, how many appointments? I mean, and the reason I'm asking you this, a lot of our customers, I think every team, and let me put it this way. I think every team with 10 or more agents has realized they should have ISAs now over the last 12 to 24 months. And if they don't already, they're building out ISA teams right now. So I'd love to get your advice on that front. Like how, how many, how many leads should an ISA, how many appointments should an ISA be able to set? And then my experience, because I watched this in CSU, these conversion ratios, my experience is that the conversion ratios from set to met are extremely much, much lower when it's an ISA setting the appointment. So maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong there. No, I think you're right. I think, it, and it's all about how people are doing it. You, you better have a really good process dialed in. I would say anybody that's thinking about bringing on ISAs or, or leveraging a system, you know, there's hundreds of them out there now. There's no shortage of ISA providers out there, but you better really be clear on, on what your goals are and, and how you're going to transition from ISA to agent. Um, is it a direct handoff? Is it just in the system? Are you setting appointments? Um, that's all really critical because you're right. Nothing good happens in the time that, you know, agents are going to probably be better at it, especially agents that are young and hungry and have time to prospect because nothing good happens from the time that a phone call, a phone hangs up, right? And the second, every second that passes is going to hurt your conversion rates. So, you know, we've been a, a huge proponent of direct connect when we're making that handoff. And it's all about building a system like, ISAs are a really high turnover position. So at 8Z, and, I, and trust me, I went through the struggles. This wasn't all like from the beginning, right? Is I would have an awesome person and then I'd lose them for whatever reason. They became an agent. They, they went somewhere else. You know, there's a million different reasons why you lose somebody. And then it's like starting over. But if you have an actual system that scales and you can plug and play into it, you can kind of have turnover and it doesn't make a, it, it really doesn't cause a lot of ruffles into the, the system. And Luckily, we were able to scale down because of it. So build your system, really know what you want to measure and, and what your goal is, and then build a system first. You're going to tweak it, I guarantee it. 
but um, it'll go a long way instead of just putting a, a butt in a seat and trying to figure it out that that's harder. <laughs> so something you just mentioned, but we blew over it very quickly, which I think is key. Um, and I think most are not doing this, but if you look at like Op City, they do live handoff, right? Here you're talking about your ISAs are doing a live transfer to your agents while they have that person on the phone. Can you tell me more about that? Because I think that's something that everyone here needs to needs to hear. Yeah, it's and it depends on the lead resource, right? But there are tools out there that you you've got. We can dial five agents at once, and we're waiting for somebody to answer while we're still talking to the client on the other end. Um, and you're you're just waiting for an agent to pick up. So speed to lead is still critical. And then you make a warm handoff and that hang up where the, where all the problems happen, this, you're just essentially eliminating that. And look, not all, all leads are created equal. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, lead resources out there now, you know, Zillow and Flex and all the things they're doing. I think there's a lot of that. Op City is a great example of it, um, where sometimes the lead resources do go direct to agent. That's another reason why I've been able to scale back and I don't need as many ISAs is because these lead resources are kind of taking over that piece, but the most successful ones are always direct connect. It's just, it's a better way to go. Trust me. Your conversion rates will skyrocket if you're direct connected. So you guys have this website that's super successful. That was one of the best before any, any of the Zillow's came, came around, right. Starting to generate their own leads. So you have this great website, but you still, it sounds like you're still, are you part of Zillow Flex and OpCity? Is that, is that what I just heard? Yeah. So we do, um, we have been partnered with Zillow for a long time. So we had the website, which really became obsolete. That was a, that was kind of the crossroads, right? Is, are we a tech platform or are we going to be a real estate brokerage? We chose real estate brokerage and we let that site, it was an old, old horse and it did its work for the longest time. And we finally killed it. I mean, we still get SEO juice that points to our new websites from it. It, you know, all that crazy stuff. But um, I think we made a really clear decision on whether we were going to be, you know, a tech company or a brokerage. And when we became a brokerage, we started looking at new lead resources and we've had a long partnership with Zillow and it's been a fruitful partnership and it's gone from all kinds of, we had a brokerage platform, single agent platform. We like to, we like to mess with things and all the way into flex now. And, and that's going well. And, and we'll continue to do that while we can. And um, I have engaged Op City quite a few times. It never really got worked out. And we, for some reason, Realtor uh, is, is a little bit lower, lower conversion ratio, but I'm probably ready to start spending some more money and, and tie that back on. Bottom line, Brian, I'm always playing games with hundreds of different lead resources. I don't like my eggs on one basket and and I like cheaper leads, of course, who doesn't? So I'm always tweaking it and it's probably about time to bring realtor.com back in the mix. But as of right now, we're not, we're not partnered with them. Okay. So, yeah. And I wasn't trying to be specific to realtor. It sounds like you have a really solid flex relationship and partnership there. So I just, I just wanted to verify, you know, you're, you're still using leads from companies that provide leads for the industry, like such as those two. Absolutely. I mean, I think we're all trying to acquire databases, right? Acquire clients. Um, So if there's a lead resource out there, that's going to help me acquire clients faster, I'm going to use it and and know that my system behind the scenes and and my agents that are are doing the work are going to capture that client and keep that client for life. So, you know, if Zillow is good at generating leads, I'll let them be a means to an end for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why, why would you not, right? So 
Something I want to talk about, you guys, are you open to sharing how you, I think you already did. You said you guys did how much last year in volume? Just short of 1.4 billion in volume. Last billion. Year. So, you know, five years ago, six years ago, when I got in this industry, my wife had me jump in to, to help her start building her team. And uh, then I, I started a software company from it because I saw a huge gaping hole there. But I remember going to masterminds with some of the top teams in the country. And everyone was talking about that number, the, the magic number of $100 million, right? And I think that's because as a, an owner of a business, you can make a million dollars if you're doing 100 million in volume. So I think that number's changed though, right? Like, I mean, you, we're talking to you who's, you're like thinking 100 million, like five, six years ago, businesses changed, right? Real estate teams are dominating so much now that, you know, it's gone from a hundred million to now I'm talking to you about, this is my question. How do you get to a billion? <laughs> you know, like there are a lot of teams now. I, I know that we have, I think we have over 300 teams in CSU doing over a hundred million in volume. Congratulations. So, that's awesome. So how do we get that up to a billion? I mean, that's, that's what I want to have you on this show for. Like help us. How do we get there? <laughs> um. I don't know. No, I'm just joking that it's a great <laughs> question. Um, you know, for me, it's all about creating efficiencies. It, it's, it's having a system. I, I keep saying that. And I, the reason I'm not specific there is because I think everybody operates a little bit differently, but if you, you better have a system that you are beholden to and you do it the same way, you know, Taco Bell wouldn't be successful if the taco was different, every different taco, taco Bell you go to, right? Like you need your product to be the same so that you can scale and you can gain customers um, just like any big company does, right? So I think it's really important to get that in. And then I think about my Salesforce and having them be super high producing and, and you, gotta weed, you gotta weed that out, right? We have a minimum uh, production. You can't just let everybody on the bus. You gotta really be, and those are tough conversations to have, but we let agents go that don't do 10 deals on a calendar year. That's our minimum standard. That's a big part of, keeping the right people on the bus, going back to Jim Collins. So a system and your people are, are of course, the two biggest factors that, that can possibly, um, it's probably people before system if I'm, if I'm waiting them. Yeah. And then you got to find efficiencies. And I think, you know, when I started really pulling back technology, Brian, we've, we've had this conversation 10 years ago. I had to build a bunch of stuff and it was all spreadsheets and everything. And there's billions of dollars being pumped into the market to really help us scale and do things better. I think Sisu is a prime example of this, right? We can get our transaction management and our coaching done all on one platform that is that comes comes to us and, and does what we want it to do. That didn't exist 10 years ago when we were at a hundred million and we were trying to get more. I mean, the simple answer is just just do what you did. 10 times, but that's, you, you can't scale. It's impossible. Cause I know there's a lot of hundred million dollar teams out there going, I'm, I bust my butt every day. I could, there's no way I can do more. So you got to create these efficiencies through again, having a system, getting the right people on the bus. And lastly, measuring against that system and having it all integrate to create efficiencies. So where, how can you eliminate clicks for all your specialists, all your team members that are there? How can you eliminate clicks and time not spent in front of clients for your sales force. The more you can do that, the more real estate you're going to sell. 
Yeah. So you and I, I know, share the same vision. Because whenever I talk to you, we're always talking about these ideas and you're like, yep, that's the future. So uh, I remember meeting you a few years back and you told me that you had actually developed a system that does what CSU does. I mean, it sounds like you guys were pretty hardcore tech trying to decide, are we going to be tech or are we going to be a brokerage? <laughs> so what kind of tech did you develop? And then, you know, you talk about this system, like, I think it's right now, a lot of our listeners are probably going, so, you know, what are you talking about? What's the magic about? system? Yeah. What, yeah. Like, like, what do you mean by system? For some people, a system might be, hey, you know, I want this task management system so that when I go under contract, I have everything in place so that if I lose my TC, I can just, you know, it doesn't matter. I can replace them and they, they have this system that they follow or it might be agent onboarding and agent offboarding, uh, onboarding and offboarding. You have these checklist systems. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Or are you talking about managing a sales team systems or what, what are you referring to there? Exactly what, what you're talking about, Brian, and, and both because you better have a you better have a transaction management system. You better have a lead gen system. You better have an onboarding and offboarding system. You better have a, a training system. And if it's not written down and it's not understood what the standard is and how you do things, it's just suggestion. It's not a system. You might be really good at it and you might be able to do it pretty much the same over and over, but it's really hard to replicate a Brian or a Doug or whoever else is out there, right? We, we only have so many hours in a day. So if you can build a system that quite frankly, isn't reliant on you and you know, it's getting done the right way. Cause so it has accountability behind it. Um, that's your key to success. So you're absolutely right. You know, I don't, I don't want to be vague, but how my ISAs call each lead resource and how that gets handed off and so on and so forth is a system, how my agents get trained for four days in this, in Academy that I'm developing that it's becoming digital versus live, right? COVID really made me have to develop an LMS and understand how I could take, do my training at scale and immediate versus not being able to be in front of people and train them the system. I had to put the system online. That's an example of somewhere where we've grown in this last, last year, I guess I should say, but it's, it's all that stuff, right? It's, but it's really, it's being true to yourself and knowing that you know exactly how that taco is made every single time it comes across this assembly line and that it's written down and that you have checks and balances against that. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I mean by assist. And, and checks and balances means I, I might add visualization into it. Right. I mean, so many yeah. people I talk to think that they have systems when they have a Google sheet or, you know, so and you it, asked, I mean, we had real developers. We had an entire team of development. We had a development team that got bigger than the ISA team at one point and they built exactly what you're talking about. It, it was built off of spreadsheets and came into an API and it pumped out PDFs but those PDFs were real visibles on KPIs for 8Z as an entire brokerage, 8Z teams down to the individual agent. It was their goals measured, it measured against their goals that they set at the beginning of the year. So it all aggregated together, right? Much similar to how CSU works now. <laughs> um, it, and it was messy, but it got the job done because we were able to visibly, like you said, it's all about visualization. And I think gamification is a, is a really important part. I mean, when you get winners on your team and people, that want, they're competitive. They just are. They want to be at the guys, top. Are you guys running gamification in your business? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, that's that's subject to interpretation. But absolutely, we have, we have contests um, sometimes at team levels, um, sometimes at the brokerage level. 
people love to win, especially when you get, when you get hungry top producers in there, they love seeing their name at the top of the list. They don't even really care what the gift is or what the prize is. Yeah. They, it's they more about the top. recognition, right? Yes, right. I, I was, I was in a sales meeting with a real estate team one day and it was just interesting because the team leader was asking, you know, so what's important to you guys? Like, what do you want for a prize in a, in this sales challenge? And the first thing they came back with was it wasn't anything but having their picture on the wall for a month in the office, you know, and, and then it went to the next level. I want my picture on a billboard for a month. You know, it's like, okay, you just want your picture on the wall. Like, This is all about recognition, right? Absolutely. Um, I've got an agent and she is a top producer. She sells over 20 million a year for the last three years. She's actually only um, four years into the business. So that's pretty impressive um, in its own right. But um, she's trying to work on some work-life balance. She's got young kids and she's obviously great at crushing real estate, but that's really starting to be stressful on her. And it's so funny as I was talking to her and, and trying to figure it out, I'm like, well, let's start referring business. You can have some of your time back. Let's refer it to some of these up and coming agents. And she, and you know, the classic response was, well, yeah, I want my time back with my kids, but I also want my name on the on the top producers uh, board each month. And I'm like, well, you know, we'll figure out showing, how to balance showing that. Assistant, right? <laughs> showing That's right. We'll figure out how to balance that. But it's <laughs> so funny that just that recognition nine times out of 10, you know, you can play around with gift cards and trips and all this other stuff, but it's funny how recognition goes, goes a long way. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Yeah, so long before Sisu was there to help you know ISA, you know, conversion ratios, before Sisu was there to help your team set goals, you guys were doing all this stuff like 10 years ago. So thankfully, um, we found you and you found us. But um, like, I'd love to hear more detail Again, I think 26, especially with 160 agents, 26 is a huge number as far as average production per agent. Like, how do you guys hold these guys accountable? How do you motivate them? You know, if, if I'm out there right now listening to this podcast, I just try to put myself in a team leader's or, a you know, broker owner's mindset. Like, how do I get to that? Because you guys have done an incredible job. I mean, like 8Z... I think if you go outside of Colorado, a lot of people don't know you, even though you've been nationally recognized now, you know, many times by Inman and other people like that. But in Colorado, I mean, I'd be shocked if someone doesn't know who you guys are. <laughs> we're pretty well known in Colorado. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, we're, we're pretty humble, right? We, we, we kind of, we, we keep our head down. We're not, maybe we need to brag more. We probably do. So we can start growing because that's the next piece is well, that's why, that's why not our recruiting today. system. <laughs> what's that you on here today so we can brag about you <laughs> <laughs> exactly that you know it's I'm trying to think of the best way to word it um to me it comes back to it, it, it truly does start with with jim collins and getting the right people on the bus because you'd be surprised when you get the right people on the bus and you stop worrying about you, you I say as a team leader or as a managing when broker. Say, when you say get the right people on the bus, so I take that two ways. One is hiring and recruiting the right agent, but the other is having the right team around you supporting those agents. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent all those things because if 
it, it, it can take one seat to derail everything. Um, and you, sometimes you're moving the seats around. Sometimes this is the right person there, but they're in the wrong seat. Right. So you're always, you're always trying to fine tune your bus and who's on your bus. But I'll tell you, when you get the right people on your bus, something magical happens to where motivation becomes a core value and part of what happens versus something that you're always constantly having to, to battle with, right? Like, how do I get people to do more? And, and sometimes you got to be okay with letting those top producers not do more and figure out how to find work-life balance and how to find how to find insurance for them and medical care. And like, yeah. how do you start making their life better? So they stick around with you and stay on your bus. That to me is, is key number one. Um, I think that's where it all starts is, is your people. You right now we're doing some things with CISU to get transaction management up. And in that we're kind of evolutionizing the, our traditional TC role. That's all about us putting people in the wrong seat on the bus. Right. So we're always, you're, you're always working on it, but a lot of times you, when you get unified, they all move forward together without a ton of push, because that's the culture that you breed. That's what comes out is everybody has the same mission, right? We're all, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. That's why everybody knows our BHAG. Everybody knows our core purpose and our core purpose for 8Z is real estate's broken and we're fixing it. I mean, a lot of things. That's our North Star, though. Is it ever going to be fixed? No. There's a lot of brokens for the consumer. There's a lot of brokens for, for agents. There's just a tons of broken, and we think we can fix it one transaction at a time. But we're unified in that front, which really helps with the motivation, right? Mm-hmm. And we do some fun things like yeah. everybody that sells $10 million, we go to Mexico every year um, on the brokerage. And you have a President's Club trip or whatever you call exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, we call it Club 10. And, and you know, it's... It's for a leader. It's about being Batman or excuse me, about being Robin and not Batman. It's about, it's, well a, it's about, you know, putting them in the seat and helping them get better versus I'd say that's the number one thing I see with your traditional real estate team is you've got the rainmaker. I mean, we've, def- we've defined these terms. You've got a rainmaker who is the only name that anybody knows and they can't figure out how to scale because all they're doing is having their minions underneath them burn out and want to decide that they want more eventually. Well, at 8Z, not many people really know Lane or, or worry about him. We put the agent's brand in front of 8Z's brand and that's worked out pretty well. I think that's been a big part of why we scale because we're helping them build amazing businesses versus just thinking about ourselves. So yeah, makes sense. I think that's a key for the leaders. Yeah. So we did something at CISU, geez, I don't know, it was probably six to nine months ago. Um, we had some large enterprise customers that we're, we're working with, we haven't announced anything with, but they asked us, they said, you know, we really want to understand the numbers of somebody that comes on to CISU. Like, how does that impact their business? Just this, they were trying to understand the sales performance side, not necessarily the back office side. And so we went and looked at all of our stats and we found that our average customer increases, meaning a team or a brokerage, increases their sales volume by 107% year over year, which is a great number. And then we found that our average team, our average agent increases their production by 28% year over year. So what's the difference? Obviously, there's two ways you can grow a brokerage or a team, one is to recruit agents, one is to increase agent productivity. 
But what we found is our teams haven't really been focused on recruiting agents. I think what happens is, you know, if you're leading somebody, and I think it comes down to leadership, if you're leading somebody to hold, to, you know, to have positive accountability, to meet their goals, it, it really changes the way you manage your company. And I think you attract, like you guys turn people away, right? You're attracting the right people because the right people want to be led that way versus, you know, just trying to come in and get better splits. Because if you're, if you're all about giving better splits, they're going to leave you when they find a better split, right? Yeah. So, anyway, I just want to get your thoughts on that because that's been our experience in just researching this at CISU. And now that we've, you know, we launched about two and a half years ago, coming up on three years now. So I couldn't agree with you more, Brian. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, shocker, AZ is not the cheapest brokerage out there. So if you're looking for a good split, I mean, our splits are great uh, and you, and they get better as you perform, but we're not the cheapest. Um, and there's a reason because of all the stuff that we do. But I think when you find those people that crave that support and really see how you help them build a, a good business, but winners want to be measured. I mean, winners want high performers want accountability. Like I hate that accountability is such a four letter word and scary. And Oh my God, somebody's going to be watching what I'm doing. Winners want to be coached. They want to be held accountable so they can get better. And that's the reason we signed up with CSU. We had our system that was old and broken and you guys had this new, awesome, flashy system. Um, but that's the essentiality of why we signed up with you guys, because we want to hold our agents accountable and we want them to get better and to help their business grow. And you can, you can do that at scale and with the CSU system. And, and I think that's critical. If you got people that are scared of accountability, you got to think twice about who your people are. That's a, that can become a cancer in your, uh, that's a probably not the right analogy to use, but it, it can be very detrimental to your business. In my, I mean, I've, in my I've seen that enough, Doug, that you found, you probably noticed that I put the word positive in front of accountability, positive accountability, meaning, I mean, if you're helping somebody obtain their goals, if it's not about you, if it's about them, you know, it's, it's all positive accountability. Nobody's going to get offended by that. Right. It's so powerful to say, Hey, look at your conversion ratio of call to close. So if you could just make, when you can tell somebody and give them a real tangible, go make a hundred calls, you're going to get three deals out of it. Yeah. It's just so valuable. And they, and people are, they're in the trenches, right? They're, they have a hard time seeing that stuff. Um, especially if they're in a funk, like you got to be able to measure it and give them that direction. And I think they're going to crave it if you get the right people on your bus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's see. How are we doing on time? We have, we have about 10 more minutes, Doug, if we want to use it. So I want to talk about ancillary businesses um, because you mentioned a business that you guys have. Tell me, tell me what all businesses you guys have. I think, you know, when somebody gets to a certain level is running a real estate business, their next question is, okay, what else can I do, right? What can I bring in a title company? Can I bring in a mortgage company? It sounds like you guys have gone outside of that and you have, you know, you're buying homes, you're flipping or you're renting or, you know, I don't know. So tell me, tell me what your ancillary businesses look like. I'll run the gauntlet here. I, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of money to be made in real estate, obviously. And for us, Having ancillary businesses is really nice. It helps feed the animal and it helps profitability a ton, but it wasn't born out of that for us. It was born out of the consumer experience. 
and wanting to give them an A plus experience across the board. So no offense to Quicken, but that's just the thing that came to mind. But if I'm doing a real estate deal and I find the perfect house and then the Quicken loans happens and something happens on that side that I can't control and the consumer has a bad experience, nine times out of 10, they blame the agent and the brokerage. They really, you know, it just, we wanted to control and give the better, a better experience to consumers. So it was born out of that, but out of that, we have a joint venture mortgage company. Um, we have a joint venture title company. We've got an insurance company. We've got a property management rental company. Insurance, you're talking homeowners insurance, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. So, and and car, you know, he, he it's a uh, he does all in types of insurances, but it's it's uh, that's primarily where we're aimed. Obviously, yeah. they want to get their car insurance over to Greg at AZ Insurance. We're cool with that too. Um, <laughs> But uh, so those are kind of the, the four pillars. And recently, you know, we've started, we, we did dabble in iBuyer for a little while. We were buying houses for cash offers. And again, out of, out of the transparency, and this is all for the consumer. So if that was the right option for them, we weren't forcing it on them. That's, here's an option. By the way, we'll go get all the other iBuyer offers. And that, that's not why we really, that's why we really don't play in that space anymore, because yeah. uh, we don't have the money that Zillow and open door and Redfin. So, so when you go to a listing appointment, are you taking out the prices that, that those companies would offer for their home as part we, of your We take instant cash offers. I was going to say to every listing, I live in the real world. I know that sometimes it doesn't go perfect, but yeah. if at all possible, we take instant cash offers to our listing consultation. Now think about that. You get other every other agent showing up and they're talking about how cool they are and all the stuff they're going to do. You can show up with offers to your consultation. Do you think that's a little bit more impressive than what the other listing agents are, are bringing to the table? And they don't have to accept it. And we, we're, that's the beautiful thing. We're Switzerland. If these are compelling to you, great. We can help you go get the offer. Sign my listing agreement. If you want to go open market, great. We can help you with that. We're really good at that too. Here's sign our listing agreement. So they're no longer choosing between us and another brokerage. They're choosing one of our options. I, I think what that does is it just builds trust that you're there for them no matter what, right? I mean, here, here's this company that will buy your house for this price. This company will buy it for this price, or we can list it. We think we'll get this price, you know, I mean. And, and the more, you know, everybody's making it sound easy, but they still need a realtor to help them because they're exactly. going to negotiate with that. Whoever the I pick your eye buyer, you're going to negotiate with them. They're going to need representation. It's the same, it's the same game we've always played. They just, are scaring the industry by the way they're doing it, but you guys yeah. can all be the solution, you know, for your clients, regardless of what, and, and you, now we've got really cool things like buy before you sell. You know, there's a lot of companies out there, homeward knock, easy knock that it'll get, it gets a little annoying trying to remember them all, but these are things that the consumer really wants and you should be putting them in, in, in your technology stack and how you sell real estate. There's no reason you can't be the provider for all those things. I, th I think a lot of people in real estate, this is just my take, but uh, I think a lot of people in real estate get afraid when something come, like that comes in and they're threatened by it. When if you embrace it, I mean, th there's a lot of people that don't even realize you can get paid that full 3% commission every time you take that to an open door or to a Zillow. So uh, why not absolutely. take advantage of that, right? It just makes <laughs> you look even better. Sometimes more, and now you're not paying for professional photography and staging. I mean, there's some real benefits to it. Again, we're not trying to steer clients towards it, but if it's right for them and their situation, if they're, and you know, 
recently, some of the offers that you get from my buyers are like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I would take that instead of going to the open market. Yeah. Because, um, because they're trying to disrupt the industry, right? They're, they're but, trying to gain market I, share. I so. you know, trying to get market share. Exactly. And I think, I think a lot of people don't realize that they still need the real estate agent to really do that. I mean, obviously their goal is to get to where they don't because then there's more money in it for them. But today they, they need the real estate agent for that. I, I would, I would argue more so because now you're dealing with wall street and a big company that, I mean, don't, don't make any mistakes. Their, their goal is to make money Yeah, <laughs> and you need to be represented as a consumer. Yeah. So I know you're such a tech forward thinker. You're always thinking about innovation and automation, innovation and automation. So do you have any like last words about that, that you want to leave with people before I ask you a few personal questions in our last minutes? Yeah. You know what? Really make sure you're partnering with open, open-ended systems that have the ability to integrate. That That's the future. And CISA is a great example of it. You guys have tons of partnerships already with, you know, you guys are, are, are CRM agnostic kind of, you know, I mean, for the most part, for those CRMs that'll talk to you. Um, Seeing that, yes. Yeah. I I mean, I think that should ultimately be your goal because you, the only way you create efficiencies is less clicks, less logins, sharing your data between systems. So if you're building a system and you're, you're taking a tech approach at it, make sure you you have those capabilities. I think that's, that's critical because we're all trying to build an end-to-end system. And some say they have it already. I would argue all day long that they don't uh, because nobody has a system where they log in to one place and do everything they need to do. It just doesn't exist. But that's my goal. That's what I'm trying to build for 8Z. Um, and I suggest that everybody else do the same. And that's our goal as well. We just know that there are certain people that already do a great job at the CRM. So why should we try to compete in that market? Right. Or- you can be completely integrated with them across. Yeah. You stay relevant. I think that's, I mean, that's the funniest. It's, it's just like the accountability conversation we had is they're like, oh, I can't do that because now I'm ruining, like stay in your lane, do what you do really well for the most part. And, uh, and you'll always be relevant. Yeah. As long as you can talk to others, other systems. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Okay. So I know you're a Jim Collins fan outside of Jim Collins. Cause and you can share Jim Collins if you want, but like, what is your other favorite book or, or even favorite source of learning? Like, what do you do? I know that you're constantly trying, you know, you're focused on taking your business from here to here, even though you're where most people want to be, you're like, hey, how do I get to that next level? So what do you do on a daily to, to keep ahead of that curve? Boy, I, I definitely try to, to, to read about 15 pages every day, regardless. And it might be pleasure reading and it might, it, it might be a little development reading. Um, but I definitely try to read every day. I think it's really important to take that time. One, it's a, it's a release valve for me to, to relax for a sec and get out of not only the business, but I got little kids and trying to do all of it at once. It's, it's good to decompress. You know, a book that I read almost every year uh, is The Alchemist. I think it's a great book for just in general, uh, for anybody that is interested. It's an interesting story. It's it's a little bit of pleasure and, and, and developmental growth. If you haven't read it, I won't reveal too much so you can enjoy it when you do. And then another really impactful book um, recently. So, you know, Lane is our CEO, but he's, you know, transitioning. Um, he's, he's running, he's kind of out of the day-to-day. He is r- running our 
our secondary company, Zavi, or our sister company that uh, is a SaaS program for all these power buyers that I was kind of mentioning. But Rocket Fuel was a great book. Um, as Ryan and I, Ryan being the president and me, the vice president, he runs the day-to-day uh, really with the agent side and, and I focus on operations and production. Rocket Fuel has been a really powerful book to help us find our flow together. Yeah, I think Rocket Fuel is something everybody should read at some point. Like it, It's going to help you realize where you should be playing and where you shouldn't, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Kate, stay. I stay on, that's my, my thing today. Stay in my lane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So you are a family man. You coach your son's baseball team. You have two kids. Is that right? Two kids. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of us, when we get into the business world, we, it, it can be easy to forget about your family. So how do you like balance that? forcing myself to make the time. And what I mean by forcing is you talk to disorganized folks out there and a calendar seems like the most daunting thing on earth. But the paradox in my world is that a calendar sets you free. Because if I calendar in play time with the kids or Sunday coaching time, I'm making a commitment to myself and I actually do it. Where a lot of people say, well, if I put it on the calendar, I'm, I'm really just, I'm putting chains around myself and my calendar set me free. So if it's not in the calendar, it doesn't exist. Whether exactly. it's work, whether it's work, personal, you know, coaching your kids, date nights, whatever, right? All of it. It's exactly right. It's the best thing you can do for yourself. Trust me. Yeah. Love it. So tell me what your favorite place is. You uh I, I know you're a big fan of Colorado, but if you're going on vacation, where would you where'd be that place you'd want to go? Yeah. So um and I, I knocked one off of the bucket list last year, um, Prince of Wales Island in Alaska. So I think it's the largest island um, on our continent. Um, but uh, went out there, got some some salmon fishing done and some even caught some lean cod and, and some pretty big halibut. My uncle caught 180 pounders. So that was a fun one. Um, I think Canada, I, I always I always got to go north to fish, but maybe I'll I'm I'm so I'm obviously a huge fisherman. I'm thinking I might need to go to Florida and do some stuff. I got a buddy who's getting married soon and that's kind of his bag of tea. So I'll see if he can get me out there to do some, uh, some deep sea fishing, um, catch some of those exotic fish instead of the northern cold fish. I was just going to ask you, you know, what's your favorite thing to do in your spare time? But since, since the question, uh, your favorite place was answered with that, I don't even need to ask that question. (laughs) I pretty standard favorite thing to do right pretty standard i if i if i find myself with a spare minute it's hard for me to to choose anything but, but fishing when i'm doing it so great so doug how do people get a hold of you if somebody has you know some questions wants to reach out wants to learn about being a part of your brokerage you know whatever the case is absolutely uh of course you can find me on linkedin and Facebook, but uh, 8z.com and you go to our, our people and you'll see me and you'll see me golfing too. I do a little golfing as well. We've got some, some fun lifestyle photos on there and, um, and guys, I'm an open book. I'd, I'd love to help you with anything. Um, I'm like I said, real estate's broken. We're fixing it. That's being a, a good Samaritan to the, to the industry as well and helping everybody do what's right so that ultimately the consumer gets the best experience possible. So reach out if you need me. <laughs> yeah see you're fixing real estate we're fixing real estate see we all have the same vision i guess that's why we get along so well 
Doug, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's always just enlightening to, to spend time with somebody who's so far ahead. I mean, you're 10 years ahead in the ISA front of where most people are. And I think you're still that way. Some of the stuff you're doing today, such as owning insurance companies and some of the other things, that's where, that's where people are going to be in 10 years from now. Uh, so you're, you guys are way ahead of the curve. You constantly are there in production and in just the way you think and the way you do. So thanks for sharing all of that with us today. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time I get to spend time with you. Yeah, no problem, Brian. It's an absolute pleasure. You guys are amazing. Thank you for the kind words and uh, have fun out there, everybody. And to all of our listeners, thanks again for joining us this week on the show. We're stacked with a lot of great guests in up and coming shows and I uh, appreciate everybody taking time to, uh, you know, spend 30 to, to 60 minutes a week with me and our guests. So thanks everybody. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.